Welcome to the Vince Del Monte Podcast Show, where each week we bring you the raw and real experiences, lessons, and timeless principles every man needs to master the five M's of manhood. By sharing conversations with the world's most successful people pursuing the five M's, you'll build muscle faster, achieve a winner's mindset, increase your money, dominate your mission, and go the distance with your marriage. My name is Vince Del Monte, entrepreneur, author, pro fitness model, and father. And I've helped tens of thousands of men transform their bodies and lives through muscle, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. Now, te- yeah, they're temporary band-aids, which is a date night, or hey, let's take a trip here or there, or let's watch a show. Like, but those are all just band-aids to pretend that we're getting closer to each other. Welcome to the Carla Rand Show, a weekly podcast designed to dig into the lives of everyday people, people who are making a positive impact, people who have risen above and overcome obstacles. Insights and stories from ordinary individuals who inspire us all towards the truly extraordinary. Here's your host. Hey, it's Carla, and I just talked to Vince Del Monte. He's my business coach, and he has been named the top business coach, top fitness business coach by um, this uh, Yahoo business media place. And um, basically, he is really doing a good job of what he's doing with his business. And he's been growing a business for a long time. He started with fitness businesses. Now he's helping other people grow their fitness business. And I just really value that part of him. But more than that is that he's a family man and he prioritizes his marriage and he's making it work. And how is he making it work? You know, is it that he's just so amazing? No. And he goes on about how, what a jerk basically he had been in his marriage and really crediting his wife for so much of this. And then how like they got a therapist to really work on things so he's really sharing like how do you make your marriage work when it when you're struggling how do you make your marriage work I mean in any marriage how do you make it work when things are tough and he says if your marriage is easy you're probably not doing it right it's going to be hard you're going to want to get onto like a a deeper level of intimacy a deeper level of vulnerability with your partner and just how important that is and what that looks like in order to make it work so it's it's not it's not easy and he goes on about how how many struggles and he's very vulnerable with the struggles he even shared that he was he had to sleep on the couch couch uh you know just about a week ago he had to sleep on the couch because they just could not resolve their conflict and and how he's you know he would not bend on his dreams and all of that kind of stuff and I just felt like there was so much value in it and some of the things that he said I was just like oh my goodness I gotta take notes on this it was very very good so I know that you're gonna enjoy this conversation and whether it's your marriage or somebody else's marriage that's maybe struggling right now um I really encourage you to watch this episode all right well I am so happy to have Vince Del Monte here on the show with me today welcome to the podcast. Vince, really happy to have you here. Hey, Carla. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, I just, it's its a real honor because Vince is actually my business coach and Vince has been, been named the top fitness business coach right now, like at the top five, he was number one. And um, I was thinking like, man, like that's pretty cool. He's my coach. And a lot of people are saying, oh, Carla, you're crushing it. Right. And I'm like, well, thank you, but it's not just me that's crushing it, right? Like I've got some a coach that really helps, and I think, again, it just sort of points to the value of having a coach that can lead the way and give you some guidance. So, yeah, I really appreciate that about you, Vince, just how you have kind of led the way for me, and you've given me so many good strategies and, and so much good just like – Yeah, information, but also modeling. Like I can model a lot of what you're doing and that's been really, really helpful for me. So appreciate that. Well, Carla, you make my job easy. Oh, thank you. Okay. You're an action taker. Thank you. Yeah, I, that's my goal. Well, (laughs) let's, let's get into you. Let's give our audience a little bit of context. So Vince, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about your family, your schooling, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Guelph, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And I uh, grew up in a Christian home. My uh, parents were both um, what you would call C and E Christians, which means they only went to church during Christmas and Easter. Okay. And uh, it it wasn't a personal faith, as you and I would describe it. And uh, I was raised in an awesome home, loving home, supportive home, a lot, a very fun home, a big Italian home. So lots of great food. Just I honestly had a fantastic upbringing. And, um, I, uh, was really, really, um, you know, just, I think prepared for the world. I feel like my parents did a great job preparing my brothers and I, my dad got us all into long distance running at an early age. I truly believe that is one of the things that has made me who I am 
being exposed to the world of running, swimming, biking. I was a national triathlete, represented my candidate, my candidate, my country. And uh, I was never a world-class runner, not even a national level runner. I was always what you'd call, I was above average. I was a mid-packer, right? For those runners out there, I ran a sub 34 minute 10K, uh, a sub nine minute 3K, just to kind of give you an idea. So, okay, but I wasn't, I wasn't winning meets. So it's important to touch on that because it's going to make a lot of sense for, you know, who I am today. But um, running really gave me an identity because I grew up skinny. I was nicknamed Skinny Vinny. And I was that poster boy for the guy that couldn't get the girl. I was a pushover. I was weak. I was scrawny. But running gave me this identity. So I really latched onto it. And I think probably that was another reason why I poured so much into it. And um, my brothers as well. Um, my brother, uh, Adrian, my middle brother, uh, we kind of had like so-so genetics in running. But my youngest brother, like he went to the Olympic trials. He's run a sub four-minute mile. He's like world-class. Not In his prime, he was moving up to that level. I wouldn't say world-class, but he was. Um... So I grew up in a very competitive home. Like we were achievers. Like the Del Montes, if you think of the Del Montes, like they were always training. They were always going somewhere. They're always doing something. All right. My my father, my my mom, they also got us into books. We were avid, avid readers. I can't remember a time I went to the movies as a young child without my dad bringing a bag of books. I'm like, Dad, what are you, what are you doing? Like, it's just the case, you know, the previews. You might want to watch a read a book during the previews, but it's like, the best part, the previews. So anyway, so I, I grew up around running and I grew up around reading. So these are two important things because I think the running really, you know, developed a big engine, if you will, mm-hmm. a big capacity for work, a big pain tolerance, uh, which are the things you need to be an entrepreneur. Also, you know, reading stimulated an imagination where I always had this, you know, vision of creating stuff. You know, I was into comic books. I was into, you know, just like different worlds. So I think it's interesting to see like the parallels from the things that I was really wired to at a young age that my parents gave me and how they all naturally led to entrepreneurship. Because to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a creator. Like I've created dozens of workout programs and coaching programs and, you know, I've created a mastermind and it's like, that's what I'm like. I just love creating. And, um, that's how I grew up. You know, I went to university. I got a, you know, university degree in exercise science. Uh, I ended up being a personal trainer working a whopping $10 per hour. This is another key part of my story. And I discovered quickly the definition of the word, uh, job, stands for just over broke. <laughs> yeah. I still remember asking my boss for a raise. And uh, after four months, she said, um, all right, let me ask the big boss. And she came back the next day and she said, hey, Vince, um, uh, not so great news, but maybe it's something. She said, uh, we could give you a raise. Um, we can give you a $1 raise in one year from now. <laughs> And that was the day I realized it wasn't my boss's job to make me rich. It was my job to make me rich. Interestingly, at that same time, my father introduced me to one of his friends. His name was Mike. He was from our church, Lakeside, and he was a new attendee. And anyways, apparently Mike was, long story short, Mike was loaded, but he was only 35 years old. And my dad was like so thrilled. He's like, oh, you got to meet this new guy in my Bible study. His name's Mike. He's He doesn't work anymore. I'm like, he doesn't work anymore. How's that possible? Remember, I, I didn't grow up with the term six figures, seven figures, and wealth creation. Like money was not a topic in my family growing up. We got by. My parents were both in full-time Christian ministry, so they had to raise donations. But money, not in a bad way or a good way, it just wasn't any it just was a absent subject matter in our house. Um, which is quite interesting. Anyways, um, Mike. Had, I don't know if he was truly retired or whatnot. <laughs> That's just got me all excited. But anyways, this guy was very successful in real estate. And he noticed that I was also interested in, um, you know, you could tell I, I was scratching this itch to do something outside of my job. And he told me to read a book. And I don't know if 
your listeners could think of a time in their life where someone told them to read a book that was pivotal in their life. But this was that moment for me. And it was Robert Kiyosaki's book, The Cash Flow Quadrant. Mm. And it introduced the, you know, the, the quadrant and the different types of uh, ways you can spend your time and make money. And it completely just unlocked all these ideas in my brain that were never there until then. And that's when I just started getting really curious about the world of what you'd call wealth creation and how to leverage your time and how to, you know, create recurring revenue and assets. Again, these are terms I never grew up with, Mm -hmm. but they were so fascinating to me, not from the place of like getting rich, but from the place of creation and like, wow, I have like opportunities. There's possibilities that I never even knew. And, um, you know, a chain of events just started to occur. You know, I went to a different gym. I was 22. And uh, this was after my four month stint at the YMCA, <laughs> working for a whopping $10 an hour after spending $50,000 on a university education, and which I still don't regret. I was in awesome four years. I learned what it was like to be married to, uh, you know, 10 of the wrong guys. <laughs> Because you've got 10 roommates for four years and you quickly find out you got to make sure you choose the marriage partner properly because I had a lot of fights with my roommates over four years. Anyways, um, coming back to going to a different gym to work, I got a completely different experience to the fitness industry working at this different gym in town. This gym, uh, I should probably shouldn't name the gym because the guy I worked for was a crook. And long story short, Uh, This guy taught me how to sell. Funny thing is, is he was a big overweight guy and wear this track suit. He always sent me to Gino's pizza to get him a slice of pizza and he'd like slap him together. I thought he was Italian. He was uh, anyways. um, And he would just eat two pieces of pizza every day while, you know, talking to me about sales and marketing and the grease would be coming off the side. And um, this guy was a slime ball. But he was—he closed everybody that walked in the gym. He was the smoothest talker ever. So I watched this guy like just stacking up five hundred dollar contracts for twelve month gym memberships, and I started watching him sell twelve packages and uh, thirty six packages, and you know, two thousand dollar, five thousand dollar deals. And I'm like, wow, they didn't show me any of this in university. And I got really, really interested in the whole world of not just being a personal trainer, but selling personal training and selling gym memberships and getting a commission. I'm like, interesting. I could spend the same amount of time on the gym floor and make X amount of dollars each month, or I can spend the same amount of time in this gym and just sell and make way more money. Mm. So my just gears were churning. That place never worked out because the guy found out a girl I was dating there ratted on me and said, Vince is planning on leaving. So I got pulled into his office one night and he was a big man, a scary dude looking guy. Um, like what's, who knows who this guy is? Who knows who this guy's connected with? Anyways, he like pretty much bullied me into um, signing a non-comp clause. He says, if you don't sign this, you're not going to be able to work at any of the gyms. I don't know if it was true or not. I, I'm a 22 year old kid. But the next day I came in early, I packed my stuff up and I left. I quit. And um, I worked for another guy up the street. And uh, I got exposed to this world in that light. And uh, fortunately started getting exposed to some really, really good mentors who started just really paving the way for me and how to have a career in the fitness industry. Um, Not just from marketing and selling, but I had some great influences uh, that taught me the world of writing programs and delivering a program and exercise execution. And, you know, by the age of 23, I pretty much saw my whole future before my eyes. It was the fitness industry, Mm. which was really important for me because, you know, growing up in a Christian home where my father was a pastor for 19 years, you know, I always had this pressure uh, that, you know, the, the ultimate career was to, you know, sell salvation on Sunday mornings in front of a, you know, in in front of a pulpit in in a church with lots of people. And I felt like that, that's the, your, that's the highest calling. So I always had this and my parents always supported me, but deep down, 
even to this day, sometimes I wonder, am I supposed to be in full-time ministry like Christian? Am I supposed to be working? And sometimes I wonder, like, am I going to end up working in a church in a couple of years from now? I, I, to this day, I still wonder a little bit, but it weighed on me quite a bit. I wondered, is this my path? Like, am I supposed to be working in the gym the rest of my life? Like, really, I'm going to help people with the back extension. I'm going to help people do tricep press downs. Like, is that my career now? Teaching people how to do their macros? Um and all I knew was I didn't want to be anywhere else. Even to this day, you know, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't in the world of fitness. So I speed the story up a bit, but I started doing really well in the gym, learning how to sell. I love selling. I had some great bosses who really just invested into me. That's another big part of my story. My very first, like I'd consider a real mentor, one of my bosses, he poured so much into me. And I told him, I said, Murray, I said, you knew I wasn't going to be here forever. Like, why did you pour so much into me? And he said, you would have cost me more money if you weren't, you know, <laughs> productive as opposed to me, you know, holding back. So I just pretty much wanted to get as much out of you as possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh. Yeah. But what a mindset. Like he was like, this guy's not going to be here forever, but I'm going to get as much from him as possible. And we have a great relationship to this day. So, um, so it was, it was actually him who introduced me to the world of internet marketing in 2005. Uh, you know, he'd come into my office every once in a while and I could tell he was interested in like doing something else as well. Like, cause he had his gyms and everything, but like as a gym owner, he was kind of like checking out the online scene too. And he kept sending me these guys like, hey, check out this guy, Jim Labadee. Check out this guy, Ryan Lee. Um, and these guys were selling information products on the internet. What's an information product? Anyways, I started going down the rabbit hole. I'm starting to like find these guys' websites and they weren't your normal looking websites. They were long form sales copy, what we'd call today is direct response marketing. And uh I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. So people find these websites, they read words, and then they put the credit cards in, and then that person gets money, and they can essentially create a 24-7 ATM machine. I'm like, I want to learn how to do this. Hmm. So that was back in 2005. Long story short, I hired my first business coach in 2005. It was a six-month coaching program. He coached me just one-on-one. -on -one. I launched my first ebook, No Nonsense Muscle Building. It was built on my own skinny Vinny to muscular transformation story. And, um, you know, that was the beginning. You know, it was uh, a four-year journey to taking that to a seven-figure business. And, uh, you know, the way I did it was through coaches and masterminds. And, uh, you know, that grew into, um, you know, a very large organization over 12 years. And then after 12 years of creating fitness videos, I uh, realized that I think I've run my course in this in this space and I was getting sought out by a lot of people to teach. Hey, could you teach me how to start an online business, fitness business like you've done? And that led to what I do today and what I've been doing the last about three years, a little over three years officially now, which is coach online fit pros to start, grow, or scale successful high-ticket coaching businesses. Yeah, and that's kind of that's that's how we met. That's how I found you, and uh, yeah, you're you're totally like a rock star coach. And sometimes, and I just appreciate you being on here because I know you're super busy, and like I see like you're just scrambling all the time. Well, not scrambling, that sounds bad, but you're hustling all the time. Like you're like yeah, you've got back to back calls, you've got so much going on. Plus, you got a family, you got a wife, you got three kids. Like there's a lot going on, and I mean I get it, and I think a lot of either you know business owners or people that have like jobs that are really busy, like they get it too, right? So tell me a little bit like. You know, you get in this successful business, you're growing it, and that's the way you are, Vince. Like, you always want to get to that next level. You always want to do that level up, right? And um, and I think a lot of us could appreciate that because we want that same thing. But how did it affect your family? Like, I know that family is important to you, and really that's why I reached out to you in the first place, Vince. I was like, okay, this guy is a Christian, so he understands my faith because not everybody does. <laughs> um, and this guy's also got a family. And one thing too about you, Vince, is that like that really drew me to you and why I chose you as my coach is because 
a lot of the the business coaches that I'd had prior to that, they had mm-hmm. all ended up divorced. So they were either divorced or they were never married. And I was like, there's something to, I think being a business owner, especially the amount of hustle that you have to do to make things happen um, is, is very hard, can be very hard on a marriage. So can you mm-hmm. speak to that a little bit? Like, how does it affect your family? How does it affect your marriage, particularly being a business owner that's hustling like crazy, trying to continue to level up in life? Oh, shoot. We're going to the good stuff right away. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you brought this up because, you know, I've watched a lot of marriages struggle. Uh, You know, I've seen a lot of marriages fall apart. You know, I've I've got friends, you know. um, Yeah, the papers are being signed right now as we speak. So it's it's real. It's a real struggle. Uh, You know, I'm, you know me, I'm fully transparent, so mm-hmm. don't go anywhere anyone <laughs> to spill the good stuff. Yeah, because I want to so, know, like, I know that you're going to, st- you're going to tell us like, yeah, your, your struggles, you're not going to be beating around the bush. You have to recognize like marriage is work. And if, and if it's not hard, then it means you're not doing it right. Mm. <laughs> so that's the first lesson, everyone. If marriage is easy, it means you're not doing it right. It means you're not trying to grow closer to each other. And, you know, my marriage is together because of my wife. Now I'm going to talk about like how she's led the way in many areas and set an example. And what we've seen as common themes that end marriages and what I believe has saved our marriage. Um, a lot of things here, but I think the first thing to appreciate is that like when you're married without kids, it's completely different for us. Things got tough when the kids came mm-hmm. And specifically when the third kid came. <laughs> so it's a, it's a capacity thing. It's an energy thing, so right? If you have they two say kids, if, you're okay. But if you have three, it's, it's no go. <laughs> two, two's, two's a breeze. And I know everyone, but when we had one, we were like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And then we had two. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So, you know, it doesn't get easier, but you do get better, mm. right? You do have to realize it doesn't get easier. You just get better. And we've gained more strategies and support and tools and supplements and habits and and like you get better that's how you get through this it's not it's not finding a new marriage partner it's not going to find you know i don't know it's it's right there in front of you but you have to go right through it in business we call it the valley of despair when things start getting tough, you know, what, what do you do? You don't go jump niche. You don't start a new business model. You don't, you know, work with a new business coach. It's like figuring out why is this not working? So I think that's the very first thing I tell a lot of my friends. I'm like, you guys have been married two freaking years. Of course you're fighting, right? This is like, this is normal. So I think the first gift I give people when I talk about the subject matter is to normalize their problems. Like what you're going through is new, is, is not new to you. This is ordinary. Mm-hmm. Everything you're saying sounds about right. Sounds like it sounds about right. And um, heck, just a few nights ago, what the heck happened? I ended up sleeping in the basement uh, just on Friday night couple of days ago because we were at our friend's house and uh, we hadn't seen him for a while. And I think we were two bottles of wine in and um, we were having a great time and the kids were watching TV, but it was way past their bedtime. It was their first week of school. They're normally in bed between seven, seven, 15. And then I just kept telling Flav, it's okay. They're fine. They're watching TV. They're fine. Anyways, they all turned into a massive wreck crying hysterically for three hours and I wanted to stay. And I was completely oblivious to like, I'm like, they're watching TV. They're fine. And they had meltdowns. So anyways, that didn't. And it was just, again, I wasn't, I was, you know, wanted my way. I didn't bend. I didn't bend. I wanted to stay longer. I wanted to finish the bottle. I wanted to keep laughing while I let the kids suffer on the couch, crying, thinking that everything was okay. And she kept saying, Vince, we have to go. We have to go. And then I blame her. Like, well, why don't you just get up and get the kids? I would have come with you. She said, no, I said, no, you weren't listening. I'm like, I was. So the next thing you know, I'm sleeping in the basement. Mm. So, (laughs) but, but listen, that's not a reason for us to end the marriage. It's all right. We have some different things that we, that we practice. Um, And these are all things we've learned from our therapist who's like 
coaching us on like, hey, what the heck happened? Like, how do we avoid this stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, why did you get a therapist, Vince? Was it because you guys were kind of at the end of your rope or have you had a therapist for a long time or is this a recent thing? Uh, back in uh, May. We, okay. got, we got her back in May. So it's been a couple months. Mm-hmm. Uh, she works with Flavia separately. She works with me separately and we do some work together. Okay. It's a complete game changer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think... There's a few things, you know, just on that, like some tactical things I want to make sure I share. You know, most of our fights, and I think most male-female fights are rooted in the male feels disrespected and the female's feelings are hurt. Uh, If we look at 99% of our fights, they're typically rooted to her feelings have been hurt and I feel disrespected. So after we fight, we have uh, a little ritual where she has to put one hand on me and I have to put one hand on her. And it doesn't matter who goes first, but I'll say, Flavia, I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. Will you forgive me? And then she will say, Vince, I am sorry that I disrespected you. Will you forgive me? And just the acknowledgement that I've been disrespected and just the acknowledgement that her feelings have been hurt, that like takes care of it like 50% of the way. Mm. Mm -hmm. So being able to reconcile and not sweep things under the rug. I used to go four days and give Flabby the silent treatment. And that was my way of punishing her. Mm. Right. There's a term for that. I forget what it's called, but I would retreat. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And the way she would hurt me is she would yell louder. Mm. And we had to start to learn each other's fighting styles. Now, she's a yeller and you can't compete with a yeller, all right? Because if you yell louder, that's her fighting style. She's just going to go one notch up. And then the next thing you know, things are said that you regret. It's like toothpaste. You can't put it back in the tube. And then that creates a new problem, what was said. And then you forget what you were fighting about in the first place. So... <laughs> Yes. Yes. So, so we've learned like other interesting things as well that when she yells, it's not something she's proud of. Mm. It's not, it's something she has a hard time controlling and she's got to get work to sort that out. But the key is not for me to make her feel bad that she's a yeller because she already feels ashamed. I didn't know this for the first seven, eight years of our marriage. So I would start to say things like, uh, like you can't control yourself. You're so emotional. Like, and that would create a whole spiral of issues. But I didn't even, I hadn't even taken the time to work on my marriage to learn that that was a style of fighting that she wasn't proud of. And I just had to let her do her thing. Mm. Yeah, it's and interesting. Vi- yeah. I was going to say. And vice versa. Oh, sorry. I'll just quickly just, say, um, like for me, I would, I would, um, like the fact that, like when you're talking about hurt feelings, I would never understand that that was why I was upset with my husband when he's like, when he's saying something to me, eh, it is, it is hurt feelings, but I was very stoic. So I would be like, no, like I'm not even gonna talk about that. And I would never admit that you hurt me because then I'm being vulnerable, right? Like instead mm. I'll just, I'll just put the walls up, you know, that's how I handled it. See, and now you're going somewhere where I have, like, I'm not a marriage therapist at mm. all. I'm just sharing with you what she's revealed for us. Right. And I think that's why people have to do the work because I have no idea how to interpret what you just said. Yeah. Come on, help me, Vince. Come on, be my, be I, my mentor I, here. <laughs> I, no, I'm, I don't know how to interpret. I could probably speculate, but I would be guessing. Mm-hmm. So that's why I tell everybody, like, you have to go do the work and you have to go figure out why you react the way you react. And, you know, for her, the whole retreating thing, So this was another interesting thing. So my way of punching back would be to go silent and it would be, I don't need you. Mm. Oh yeah, you're going to say that to me? Well, guess what? I don't need you. And I would go silent and I ruined Christmases. I've ruined birthdays. I've ruined special occasions going through the whole thing silent. Mm. Even with family was around and they had nothing to do with the fight. I'd want to punish everybody around me. And then that would come in. Then she's like, you're the most selfish person in the world. And then I would start to bleed. I am the, I am a selfish person. And, and look, I'm successful though, so I don't need any of you guys. So I don't need to connect with you guys. And there's a whole behavioral cycle that keeps reinforcing this thing that prevents me from getting close to people because I've, 
you know, I've got success in another area and I just keep driving, which I keep working harder and harder in, which prevents me from feeling like I need to connect. But then the main root problem of all my issues is that I don't have a deep connection with certain people. So this was all discovered to me through the therapist. And I'm like, holy cow, this makes so much sense because we're all stuck in our own behavioral cycles, right? And, you know, just to tie the loop up on the fighting style piece, you know, when I would go quiet on her for a day, two days, three days, my, my record is four days uh, at a time, not proud of it. And I didn't even know really what I was doing, but I'm like, maybe I am selfish. Maybe, but then had someone help me understand it, like, no, that's the lie. Everybody has two things constantly being spoken over their life, the truth and the lie. And the, and the lie about Vince Del Monte is that he doesn't care. He doesn't give a flying, you know what, about anybody. He only cares about himself. That's the lie. The truth is, is that I truly do care about people. I tr- that's when I'm, I'm, that's when I'm the most alive, when I'm up on stage, when I'm coaching, when I'm working through something with somebody, I do care. But if I fully own that, that's scary because the world will see like, wow, he actually does care. And when I go internal, it's because I'm processing. Like there was something that she said that was true and I'm processing. That's why I'm internalizing. But Flavi didn't know I was like taking what she said to heart. Like you said some stuff that was true. I'm taking, like I'm processing. I'm, I'm in my cave processing this. Just I need time. So she didn't know I needed, like it was okay for me to need the time. It was like, just get over it. Like, and then that became a fight. You don't just come up and apologize and get over it. And like that, and that became another issue. I'm like, so we had to learn this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's why I see, like when I see marriages struggling and I share those examples because those things could have, like if we didn't get help, on just like understanding why these things, these behavioral cycles kept showing up, we wouldn't have had tools to start working through it. Mm. And I just, I think it's the same thing with business coaching, right? You come to get tactics, you come to get strategies, you come to get a mindset, you come to get in an environment where other people are working through the same challenges. It's the same thing in marriage. Mm-hmm. So I'll pause there, uh, give us a breath, but I think I just want to offer encouragement. If if your if your marriage is not where you want it to be, get help. That's what like people say. Oh, therapy doesn't work. No, therapy is the exact thing that will help you understand what the real issue is. And um, you know, every time we have a session, she just reveals more and more fascinating stuff about like why we do what we do. Um, we finally like kind of figured out the root issue of our marriage mm. and why the level of intimacy isn't where Flavia wants it. Mm. And it's because we're both always tired. Mm. We're mm. always freaking tired. We don't, now this sounds so obvious. And my mom's been telling me this for 15 years. I've, I'm just saying, mom, I'm fine. We're fine. We're like, we'd like to stay busy. We're active. Like we, we got big engines, but why, why do you, why don't you place a high currency on rest? Mm. Why don't you value rest? And she took us through this whole exercise to help us see that the root issue of like our entire marriage is that we're tired Hmm. and that we haven't, we don't, we are not intentional, uh, intentional about rest because we don't feel like we're in purpose. So Flavi has some deep-rooted insecurities about not working after she stopped working. So if she's not busy in the house, doing something with the kids, taking care of the home, she doesn't feel like she's in purpose Mm. or she's not contributing. So there's something deeper-rooted about identity. So she is always working, working, working. Now, if she's working all day long and I come upstairs after a long day of rest and a long day of work and I'm exhausted and I go lie on the couch – you think she's going to say, oh, oh, have a nice nap. Oh, I'm, she's like, get the heck up. What are you doing lying down? I've been going all day. It's your turn now. Let's go. And I'm like, but I have been going all day. Yeah. I'm tired too. I need a rest. And this, this behavioral cycle has been going on for years. Mm. Yeah. Where if I have a nap, she gets resentful because she's always going. But why is she always going? And why am I always going? And because we're always tired, 
we create these temporary, sorry, not te yeah, they're temporary band-aids, which is a date night, or hey, let's take a trip here or there, or let's watch a show. Like, but those are all just band-aids to pretend that we're getting closer to each other. <clears throat> but really the root problem is, is that we're so fatigued that we can't just sit down and have a conversation. We want to go to sleep. And it's because neither of us have placed the value on rest. And she gave us like, so like once the, she goes through the process and you start to hear all this stuff and you're like, oh my gosh, this makes complete sense. And then at, by the end of the call, you're always like, all right, so what do we do? And she gave us some really, really simple and tactical things. I'll give you an example for all the, the, all the moms up there. I think this might be really, really helpful. So I would sense like I give an example. If Flavia's tired, I'm like, Flav, go have a nap. And she, she's like, I don't need, I got, there's so much stuff to do around the house. I'm like, um, she's like, okay, I'll go have a nap. Goes upstairs, like literally 10 minutes later, comes back down. I'm like, well, why didn't you nap? She's like, uh, there's too much stuff to do. And we told, so we told our girl this and she's like, I see. So mom isn't getting recognition from the family for resting. It's just not something that's awarded in the Del Monte house. Rest is not awarded because both of us have these deep rooted beliefs. And this goes back to my, maybe my upbringing, not in a negative way, but it just like there's connections and everything, right? If you rest, you're lazy. That's how I view rest. If you need extra sleep, you're lazy. If you're sitting on the couch, you're lazy. So there's these deep-rooted beliefs that lazy people are unsuccessful. We've both had – these are programs that we run in our brain. So the last thing we're going to do is rest. I'm going to even wake up early on the weekends. I'm even going to stay busy all day trying to take care of the house and doing extra things on Sundays. But this is what keeps us just burning the candle at both ends, which prevents us from achieving the one thing in our marriage that needs more than anything, which needs, which is the, is the number one thing that's needed more than anything else, which is intimacy. Mm. So we've got all of these programs built up, all of these band-aids built around everything that's preventing us from the one thing that can draw us closer, which is rest. Mm, I totally hear what so, you're saying. I remember when Jason would be like, oh yeah, let's go on a date. And so I'd be like, okay, we're going to go on a date. We've been going crazy. And he would take me out and he'd be so tired that we'd be trying to have a conversation. And like, he was just, his mind wasn't there. And he, but he's trying to check the box. Like, okay, I took her on a date. So you're so right. right. Like these can just be band-aids. And so if you're going to go on a date, at least be well-rested so you can have a decent conversation, you know? Right. So she's, she's, and she pushes, like, she's really, she's a great therapist and she'll push us both. And she'll say, Vince, you need to take full ownership of your rest. Mm. And she told Flavia the same thing. Like, Flavia, it is not his job. It is not Vince's job to ensure you're rested. Mm. And this is where there was another issue showing up. She's like, well, like, um, because then you start to think like there's that whole selfish conversation. Like, well, I, I, I'm a dad. I'm a, I've got to watch the kids. Like, I don't have time to rest. Like, I've got to put the kid, the family first. And, and I'm like, this isn't, doesn't sound very Christian anymore to like, what, put my rest, my naps in front of the family. Like, I'm a married man now. I've got responsibilities. Like, sorry, that, was, that life's long gone. Again, these are programs you run. Mm. But are those programs actually helping your marriage get better? And that's where she really called me out because I'm like, I have to be intentional about my rest. So what I try and do now, instead of finishing my day at 4.30, then going right upstairs, I shut the day down at four and I rest for 30 minutes on my time. Mm. I rest on my time. And I, we had the conversation where like, I would be afraid to ask Flavia to have a nap because she's going to freak out. Okay, Flav, I'm like exhausted. You mind if I go have a nap right now? Now that's okay if I've been intentionalizing rest on my schedule, but there needs to be a safe place in the relationship where she says, "Hey, I'm really tired. Um, you know, can you take the kids, put the kids down tonight?" And and there's and that's her taking responsibility of needing the rest. But where it really becomes powerful is where both 
what was happening for us, and I'll just kind of wrap this whole conversation up. What was happening for us is like our family time was getting robbed because on Saturday morning, I would just take the kids out. Another Band-Aid. Hey, if I, why don't you just, why don't you just sleep in today and I'll take the kids out of the house and you can have the morning to yourself. But now our weekends turn into a whole day with me and the kids and then a, a day with her and the kids. It's like, what about time as the whole family? And again, the root problem, the root issue is that neither of us have been intentionalizing rest. If she was intentionalizing her rest through the week and I was too, we'd be able to spend time as a whole family together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the yeah. so I, like she, I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Like we've been married for 10 years and we're just discovering this stuff after 10 years together. Mm. And I think my encouragement to the listeners is that like, if you haven't got help, that just might be why you guys are still struggling with the same thing because you can't see your issues when you're stuck inside them. Mm-hmm. They're called behavioral, they're called behavioral patterns and they're called programs and they just run in the background and um, you need outside eyes mm-hmm. that can now hold you accountable and just give you simple techniques. There's a lot of stuff nutritionally, you know, um, you know, nutritionally, exercise-wise, supplement-wise that can make a huge difference in just your energy levels. Our fights are always when we're tired. Mm. And we're like, we need to figure out, like, we we can't be fatigued all the time. If we're fatigued all the time, this marriage is going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. So what was encouraging for us is like, this isn't stuff like, it's not like I picked the wrong partners. We can work on this stuff. And, um, you know, I'll just wrap up with one more big idea. You know, I think for me, um, our marriage wouldn't be together if it wasn't for Flavia, because after we had, um, two babies, Mealy and John Luca, Flavia was working through that. And she had a lot of identity from her work. Her business brought in a lot of money. She felt like she was like truly contributing because, you know, she was running her businesses and that, but three was just the limit. It was just too much for her to handle. And um, she just realized like, and she was there this, she said, I, what I discovered was Vince was not going to bend. His schedule wasn't changing no matter how much I asked. And I'm not saying this is a good thing. I was just, you know, this is the problem. I wasn't willing to bend and I wasn't getting help back then. So I had nobody really tell me, Hey Vince, have you thought about maybe like bending a bit with your stuff so that you can support her? I was just in my own world. Mm. And this is typically how things fall apart. Fortunately, you know, you know, by the grace of Flavia, she, she had the wherewithal to say, I have to put this stuff on hold or else this thing's not going to last. And she bent. And she bend and she, you know, put all her entire business, she just essentially let it wither out in order to keep us because our kids were just too young. We didn't have the help. It's just a lot of things that, you know, could we have done it differently looking back? Maybe, but the way, the only solution to keep things together was for her to bend. And I think that's the number one thing I've seen in marriages that have fallen apart is that one person will not bend in the name of their dreams. And if you look at all these famous people, like a lot of people, you'll see like, we can't be together because you're going to interfere with what I feel like I'm called to do. I'm like, and the root problem of that is the marriage is not a priority. Mm. That's it. Why did the marriage fall apart? Because it was not a priority. I said, Flavia, how did you know like to bend? She's like, because the marriage is the number one priority. I made a commitment. I made a vow. I take that very seriously. It's non-negotiable. And I think that's the number one reason the mar- the number one reason a marriage will fall apart is because it's no longer pr- a priority. Mm. And one person uh, or, you know, neither part, neither party is willing to bend. Mm. I am fortunate because Flavia bent and then I saw, oh, wow, look at the power of her bending. What if I started to bend? Maybe our relationship will get better. And it did. Mm. All right. So my schedule looks very, very different today than it did many years ago. And, um, I think that is the secret to saving a marriage. You have to bend. Mm, yeah, good. Well said, Vince. Um, 
you've, you've said a lot about this, but what would be like your advice to a husband? So there's a husband watching this right now and he's struggling in his marriage and he's having a hard time dealing with his wife. Maybe she's really difficult. She's emotional. She's out of control. She yells a lot. Um, what would you tell him if you could just kind of tell him one thing? What should he do in a situation where he feels like it's kind of hopeless? Whew. Um, <laughs> one thing, Vince, man. that's it. That's all I'm giving you. <laughs> I would I would give something super tactical that I gave somebody who was about to go sign um, divorce papers, mm. and um, you have to you have to recognize her for what she's bringing to the table, and I'll give you like a tactical thing. Um, Post-it notes. Every day, put a little post-it note on the mirror and recognize her for what you love most about her. And recognize her in three categories. As a mother, as a wife, and as your lover. And rotate them around and be intentional about recognizing her. Hey, I loved how you I loved how you took care of the kids this afternoon and you know gave them uh you know got them to bed even though they were little brats you're the world's best mom mm-hmm. right hey I love how you I love how you looked at me this morning when I came uh home from the gym and you gave me those eyes that I love and you just, you have to validate who they are. And I think the number one thing, again, it goes back to her feelings. And I think you, the man needs to be strong and confident and recognize that there's something missing. And she obviously doesn't feel loved or worthy. And you have to start building her up and build up her bank account in those three categories and be intentional Um, That was something that I started doing. I just started putting post-it notes, you know, uh, around the house and just recognizing when I catch her doing something, um, you know, hey, I love how you spent that afternoon with the kids and you you bake cookies together. Uh, The kids love you so, so much. They would never find a better mom than you, Mm -hmm. you know, just, but it's consistent and it's all the time constantly recognizing because, um, there's definitely some deep rooted insecurities there and the male can fill those needs. Is there anything that you would say to a, to a wife who's struggling? Her, her husband's maybe just a real, you know, he's got a thick head. He's not bending. He's a bit of a pain. Um, maybe he's not affirming her at all. And she just feels very hurt and alone. And what would you say to a wife in that situation? Is there anything that she could do to help kind of, I don't know, change him a bit or maybe not change him, but just, what would you what would you say? Is there anything that that can help in that situation? Just I asked Flabby this, you know, she she said there's there's been many years in our marriage where she would she she wished she didn't marry me. Mm. I don't know if I, she would appreciate me saying that, but like she she said it. She's like Vince, there was many years where I'm like I think I married the wrong person. Mm. Talking about me, mm. talking about Vince Del Monte. And mm. and I said, "How did you get through it?" She said two things. I pray to God every day for him to help me love you again. Mm. She prayed to God every day to help her figure out how to love me. Now remember, and the second thing is realizing that she can't change me. She can only change herself. Mm -hmm. So she prayed to God and she worked on herself. She prayed to God and she worked on herself because she can't change me. Mm -hmm. She can't change me. I didn't bend. I never bent. She could yell at me all she wants. Vince, you, I need help. I didn't bend. I wasn't bending. So what did she do? She worked on herself. She bent. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is how the marriage gets better. She set an example. So she led by example and she prayed to God. And, you know, I, you know it's, it's going to be, it's got to be work, but you can't change the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. I watched her work on herself. I watched her sacrifice. So when she did lovingly call me out, there was, there was trust in the bank account. Like there was goodwill. I'm like, you know, she's got a good point. She is, she is doing a lot of the sacrificing, the bending. I'm not, I'm like, 
but I can't even. So I'm like, she now at least has a shot for me to respond. Mm -hmm. The only thing that you can do, I think this is, you know, the final thing I said to, to my friend, I said, listen, man, if this, you know, you guys are talking about divorce right now. I said, you're getting help. She's not like, at least get some help before you even get close to this conversation. Like how, how can you even have this conversation when neither of you have like fully worked on yourself? Mm-hmm. Like you're, so you're both quitting, but you haven't either, neither of you have like fully tried to work on yourself. You're not even giving it a shot. Mm-hmm. So I think both people have to want. So one thing is like, is the marriage a priority? If the marriage is not a priority, does it matter who you marry? It's not going to get better with a different person because the marriage is never, the marriage isn't a priority. The marriage is a priority because you make a decision. A decision is a commitment. It's not a feeling. Mm-hmm. All right. First you make your choices, then your choices make you, mm-hmm. yeah. right? You make a choice to commit and then that commitment makes you, forces you to become a better person. Yeah. Well, wow. so I think that's my only advice I have. You've got both people have to value the marriage being the priority like and you'll see today's day and age with all these entrepreneurs and influencers and celebrities it's like it's all about their dreams it's all about their ambitions nobody wants to nobody wants to give up their dreams nobody wants to give up their ambitions and i'm not saying you have to kiss them all away but you have to be you have to be ready to say hey listen um our marriage comes first and i might not be able to do all the things i want in my life because i would rather have a marriage that my kids can model Mm. and that's and that's the thing it's like i could i could make more money i could have a bigger following i could write more books i could travel more but who's gonna suffer Mm -hmm. yeah my kids are gonna suffer Mm -hmm. i'm never gonna be around for them so what did i really achieve so i think it always comes back to like what's most important to you if both people you know recommit to the marriage as the number one priority, then they'll start to look at, okay, where do I need a bend? Mm. Where do you need a bend? And you're both going to take full ownership of what you can separately control. Mm-hmm. Hope people are both, hopefully both people are willing to get help and then just put in the work and just, it's now it's just, they call it work for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Vince, for sharing that. And thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your struggles. You're not just saying, okay, here's, you know, five top top five things to do. You're saying, like, this is what I'm struggling with. Not like, well, you know, years ago, but right now, this is, I'm in the thick of it, right? So really appreciate you sharing that, Vince. Where can people go to find you and connect with you, Vince, if they want to learn more about what you do with your fitness, what you do with the business, and just to kind of get to know you better? Where's the best place? Uh, two spots. They can follow me on Instagram at Vince Del Monte. They'll see the blue verified account and uh, we answer all of our DMs. So be happy to help anyone. And uh, the Vince Del Monte podcast show where we, uh, we post three times per week. So those are the two best spots. Awesome. Good. Well, thanks again so much, Vince. Really appreciate this. I just, yeah, just love that you're raw and real. And that's really why I reached out to you in the first place and super happy. Feel very honored to have you on my show today. So thank you. Oh, thank you. This episode is brought to you by my company, Power Fitness Online. We are a tight-knit fitness community, and we guide you every step of the way to get fit and stay fit through our live workouts, nutrition coaching, and incredible support team. Go to powerfitnessedson.com to learn more. Thank you for tuning into the podcast today. If you enjoyed it, please leave a positive review on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Music, or wherever you're listening. And if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, I would love to see your comments. I would love to know what you think about this episode and uh, interact with you. I love hearing from you. Once again, I'm Carla Rand, and this is The Carla Rand Show. And I can't wait to see you next week for our next episode.